In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who does call us to be His body. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, body swapping. It's a thing that we haven't achieved in our normal sort of sciency kind of thing. At least that I know of, there's probably some ethical issues that surround it. But it's certainly something that we have achieved in terms of our science fiction. We have achieved this time and time again. In fact, I just recently was watching a amazing display of this as I was watching a classic episode of The Muppets. Watching this classic episode of The Muppets, there's this segment called Pigs in Space. Wow, and I... And in Pigs in Space, there are these people that are put together there. And these people that, that are put together in the spaceship are all pigs, obviously. And Miss Piggy is one of them. And uh, there's this other pig, this pig named Dr. Strange Pork. And Dr. Strange Pork has developed this ray gun that is a dissolver ray gun. And so the first thing that, that Dr. Strangeport does is he shoots something and it dissolves. And then he resolves it someplace else. And you go, well, that's a pretty cool gun. But then he does something else where he takes, he, he dissolves one of the pigs and he shoots it into another person. And all of a sudden, that other person has another person's personality living inside of them. And you can imagine how it feels for Miss Piggy to show up inside of the body of the captain of this spaceship. She's not sure she really likes it. And I think that's probably where we would be if we were sort of dissolved and reappeared inside somebody else's body. It would be kind of weird. It would be kind of strange to all of a sudden show up in somebody else's skin. I mean, the first thing that you might notice, this was the first thing anyway that Miss Piggy noticed, was that your voice is going to sound different. And then you're going to go to the mirror and you're going to look at yourself and you're going to look different. And you're not going to look like yourself and you're not going to sound like yourself. And all of a sudden you're, you're going to have this sort of cognitive dissonance that appears inside your soul. And you go, I, I don't know that I actually like this. But then, depending on whose body you're in, maybe you do like it. Maybe you trade it up. Maybe you are in a body that you start going, well, this isn't so bad. I, I kind of like my new voice. If I was sent into somebody else's body, maybe I could sing then. Maybe I could dunk a basketball. Maybe I could do all sorts of things that this body seems to, well, occasionally, at least, not be able to do. 
Well, that's kind of the sense that we have, I think, in some ways in our Christian experience. Because our Christian experience, our baptized experience, what happens when we are baptized is that we are taken in a way from our own body and we are placed into Christ's body. Now, obviously, that's a mystical reality and, and it's not just us. The way that this whole body of Christ thing works in terms of the church is that we're all the body of Christ and so we're all members together of this body. So it's kind of like you had one body and then you took all of our personalities and then you stuck them inside Jesus. But I think we still have that experience of waking up and going, huh, there's there's something different here. I, I don't sound like perhaps I used to. Right? Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing something in my life where things just aren't really the same as what they were before. And then I think we specifically get into that sense when we get sort of transported back to our own sinful bodies and we we start taking a look at ourselves again and we start going, oh, there's something different again. I'm sinning. This is no fun. I'm finding the failures and the frailties of what it means to be a human being. And that's where we pick up with our friends in Isaiah. What's happening in that reading from Isaiah, which is right kind of at the end of the book, is that the people in the book, Isaiah, speaking on behalf of the nation... They're running into problems. They're running into the sense of what it means to be sinful. They've had this experience of being God's Israel, of being God's people, but God's body, God's way of dealing with the rest of humanity around them. But they've been pushing that identity away from them for so long that now it's like they they don't even notice that reality of Him being in them anymore. And they're mourning it. They're, They're asking for it back. They start off, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Show Yourself again. And they're showing that He is that they want Him to be present again. That they want Him to be there in a way that they used to have. In a way where the rest of the nations around them understood that these were God's people. And that's what they're asking for. They're asking, Lord, oh, that You would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains might quake at Your presence as when... Fire kindles brushwood and fire begins water to boil. Make known your name to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. They're looking back to days when they knew that that was the reality for them. And in a lot of ways, that's the narrative that we're hearing in Christianity today. We're hearing this from all sorts of people. Lord, won't you make the church great again? 
Lord, won't you make Christians, people that people want to hang around, won't you make Christians powerful again? Won't you make Christians gracious again? Won't you make Christians beautiful again? Won't you make it so that other people will know that Christianity is a good thing? And it's almost like you can hear that strained voice crying out to God, asking for that to be the case. As we cry out, Lord, won't you just rend the heavens and come down? It says, when you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down the mountain and the mountains quaked at your presence. And we think about those experiences that we've had of God. We think about those experiences that we know are so meaningful to us. And we're, we're just asking, well, couldn't you do that for other people? Couldn't that be the case for them? Why do I have to be the only one who knows that you're so great, Lord? Is a question that seems to be repeated over and over again. As I look on social media, as I look on blogs and reports and other things like that. But then it gets down to this thing about what it is to really be the church. And at the end it says, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. It is this interesting sort of thing that the people of Israel say that Isaiah says, now, O Lord, you are our Father. And at some level you have to go, well, uh, no. God the Father is Father to somebody, but it's not necessarily me. I, I have a father. His name is Walt. His name is not Yahweh. His name is, is Walt. And, and so how can I call God my Father? So there, there's a little bit, again, of that cognitive dissonance of, well, can I really do that? Can I really call God Father? And the answer is yes. And why is the answer yes? Well, the answer is yes because Jesus came and He took humanity into Himself. He came and He became us. So that we, us, can cry out to God and say, You're our Father. And it keeps on going. It says, We are the clay and You are the potter. We are the work of Your hand which is evoking this idea of what it meant for us to be created in the image of God, in the Garden of Eden, when God was creating Adam, that he was creating him out of the clay of the earth, that he was shaping him and molding him and making humanity. And knowing that God the Father is omniscient and knowing that God the Father is eternal and that he's not bound by time, what God the Father had in mind as he was doing that was that God the Father had in mind that that he was creating the body of his son. That he was creating the body of the second person of the Trinity. That that wasn't happening right away, but that that would happen. That when he was forming Adam, that he was forming what Jesus would eventually look like. That Jesus would have this inherent humanity about him. An inherent humanity that would be given dignity, not because it was formed out of clay, but because it was redeemed by Jesus Christ.
And it goes on. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. The thing that gives us the ability to cry out to God, the thing that gives us the ability to pray like we will later, the thing that gives us the ability to actually take the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ into our own human frail bodies is that we are God's people, that we are the people that have been formed by God's hand. And what that means for us is that we, in a mystical reality, are Jesus that we are His body. Now, none of us is Jesus by ourselves. Don't get me wrong. You're all going to sin. None of you are going to die on the cross for everybody else's sins. But together, we are this body that has been swapped. We are this body that Jesus has said, I'm going to take your humanity, I'm going to take your frailties, and I'm going to swap them for mine. I'm going to swap all of the glory that I have. I'm going to swap all of the eternity that I have. I'm going to swap all of the love that the Father has for me. I'm going to swap all of the power that the Holy Spirit has to give me. And I'm going to give you all of that if you'll just give me this clay. And that's what it means for us to be the church. Is that we're loved by God so much that we're included into Him. In this amazing way. That we are made His own. That we are given roles. As Jesus said in the gospel reading that he gives us roles as he goes away he says each person to their own roles and some of us are doorkeepers and gives us this identity and this function and this sense of relationship with one another that means that we're all together in this crazy experience what it means to have our personalities ripped from us, but not harmed, and placed into Jesus. So that on the last day, when He comes again, that day that we're staying awake for, that as we're risen, we'll rise immortal unchangeable, holy, and perfect, just like Him. So now may you, this week, keep that identity of the body of Christ in your mind as you go about your week. And may you, as you wake up in the morning and you look at your body and you look at your fingernails and you look at your hair and you look at your skin, may you see that and may you say, that has been claimed by a God who loves me so much he made me his own. Amen.